Good afternoon, everyone. Before I get into the word, I wanted us to take a moment and join our prayers to those across the globe that are praying about the situation that's taking place in two major centers, but actually spreading globally. And that's the... Just, if everybody can maybe make their way back into the sanctuary, I would really appreciate that, guys. Okay. As you know, the coronavirus started in uh, Wuhan city in China, and it spread from there. And uh, currently, the fastest growing center is South Korea. And uh, we're keeping a close eye on that because of the gathering that we're planning that the Lord called for the 25th to the 28th of uh, March. And at the same time, we've been in constant dialogue with the leadership of the church in South Korea and what they're feeling, what they're sensing. The government recently announced that they're not going to be allowing the uh, gatherings of a thousand or more people. So they're trying to keep it smaller than that. What we were expecting and what we had registered so far was over 3,000 people. So a lot of things are in change, in flux. So we're praying. We're praying for not the gathering, but also the gathering. But we're praying for the safety of the people. We're praying for the healing of the people that have been infected. We're praying for the protection of those that are close to them and those that are in touch with them. Both there, in Iran, in China, and in all over the world, we're seeing that this thing is spreading without causing fear to rise because we realize that God is in control and there's been many prophetic words that this is going to shift and it's going to turn and it's part of everything that we're seeing. Uh, I got a text message from Bahram. He was saying me that during worship for about eight minutes, his ear was buzzing and he heard uh, and he started to praise the Lord and then he saw a big spider that was coming. And he rebuked it in Jesus' name, and the spider disappeared. So all of these things, what Sujin has seen, what Vahram has seen, what we're all sensing in our heart, we're at a moment in history where the church needs to be the church to rise above things of this earth, to step into the place where Jesus said, come up here and I will show you things, and to become the church that is the body of Christ. In other words, when Jesus was on earth, he was both the head and the body, But today, he, the head, is seated at the right hand of the Father. We are seated with him because we are his physical or his spiritual body. But physically, we are on earth to execute what the head is experiencing. Amen? So that's an important function that we need to step into. And uh, I was so blown away when Sujin texted us, uh, Rob and I, with what she had seen from Ezekiel. Because I'm going there. I'm going there this morning or this afternoon. And we're going there this, later in this afternoon as we come to the, to the uh, annual family meeting. And I believe that the Lord is affirming and confirming his word for us to understand and to walk in the assurance that we're walking down the right path. Do you always feel that you're walking with the right path with God? Do you ever wonder... Am I on track, Lord? Do you, like, is this just a common experience for everybody? Or do you always feel that, yep, you're lockstep with God. God is moving right, you're moving right. Moving to the left, move to the left. Move to the right, move to the right. You know the song? Is that how we walk all the time? 
I don't know about you, but I had an experience last, sun, last uh, Tuesday night. I was in Vancouver for the global gathering that we had online. And uh, we huddled all day Wednesday, and then Thursday was the day of the global gathering. And uh, we had been blown away by what God was doing among us. Just in our time together, in our time of worship, we were a small team of about maybe eight, ten people. But on Tuesday night, I was at Rebecca's and uh, Colin's home in uh, Vancouver. And uh, their home is beautiful. They have a guest room, and they have given me the guest room on the main floor with its ensuite. So I had my own little apartment, as it were, where I could spend time with the Lord. I can spend time doing what I do. And uh, we landed there about late at night on, on Tuesday. So after we finished and chatted and everybody was tired, I went to my room. And I had lost about five hours in flight, so I knew there was a lot of stuff to catch up on, on, on chats and email and so forth. I'm sorry this is going to sound a little bit weird. But I changed into my PJs, and I took my phone I don't know if you ever do this. You probably don't because you guys are probably very hygienic and very clean people. But I took my phone and went and... <laughs> you got the picture. Okay. I sat down and I took care of business. And uh, I was reading my phone and reading messages and there was a lot of activity. I sat on the toilet for those of you who couldn't see me in the different corners. Okay. So I grabbed my glasses... And because I don't like to pull them off sideways off my face because it bends and does whatever, I don't really do, do it with two hands. How many of you t- take your glasses off with two hands? Good practice to keep. Anyway, so I didn't have two hands because one hand is busy with the phone. So I just grabbed them this way. And I guess when I did that, the pressure I put on it was a little bit too much. And I snapped it right where the joint is in the lens. So this little tiny chip, about two millimeters big, went flying off in the washroom, in the ensuite, front door open of the washroom, bedroom door closed. But this plastic piece of lens, crystal lens, flew somewhere, and I couldn't find it. Now, obviously, I didn't have my glasses on because now they're broken. And, you know, they're dangling as two little pieces in, in my hand, and one just fell to the floor. So I put the phone down. And I'm thinking, okay, where did this thing go? I can't see. And I don't want to take a chance of maybe flushing it or having it go down the, to- the, the sink. I'm sorry this is very graphic, but hang in here with me. So as I'm doing all of this, I realize, okay, it could have landed in my clothes. So I had to, you know, shake them off. So I took off everything. Waist down, shook it all off, shook my sandal, my, my slippers, put everything back on. You know, you can't stand around like that forever. So I put everything back on. And now I'm on all fours with my phone's flashlight looking on the ground with no glasses. So I have to really get close to see. And I'm trying to find this little tiny chip of a lens. You got the picture? If you had walked in, it would have been hilarious. I can't find it. It's not on the carpet in front of the sink. It's not in the corners. I looked on the, like the floor is clean. There's nothing there. No lens, no nothing. I thought maybe it went under the shower door. So I start looking in the shower door very gently, 
open the shower, look inside, you know, the, mar- the, the tiles, there's nothing there. Now, under the sink, they had packed four bath towels for my use or whoever's use. And I took them each one, you know, take it apart. Nothing on the carpet, nothing on the floor. Fold it, put it aside, do the next one. And then there was a little box full of, not cosmetic, but toiletries, you know, toothbrushes, toothpaste, all that kind of stuff for their guests. They're very, you know, hospitable. So I went through all of that. There's nothing. Oh, the first thing I did was look into the sink to make sure that the thing was closed, the the spout or the, the drain was closed, and it didn't go down there. But when I couldn't find it anywhere, I took that drain apart. And I started to flashlight into the hole of the drain to see if I can find anything, thinking that the plastic may be floating. But then I didn't think how I was going to fish it out. I couldn't find anything. And I started to laugh at myself. And all of a sudden, this thought went into my head. And oh, yeah, I looked outside the door because the door was open. I looked under the bed. I looked behind the mirror. I looked behind the right, behind the left. I looked all the way across the room. I couldn't find this thing. And all of a sudden, this thought came into my head. You're just as blind in seeing God and what he's doing. If I take my glasses off right now, I have no idea if any of you have your eyes open or not. That's how bad my vision is. Minus five something or other. Okay? I can see that you're seated there. I can see you shook your head, uh, Zori, but I can't tell if your eyes are open or not. I can't see anything beyond that. So the enemy whispers in my head, you can't see God. You can't see where he's leading you. You can't see where you're going. Just pack up and leave this life of ministry and just focus on yourself and your business and your family. Just leave all of that behind. You're useless at this stuff. And I thought, okay, you dummy. I've grown to know how you function, especially I shared with you in the last few months how much of an attack I've been feeling under. So I knew where this was coming from. It's not me. It's not God. So I dealt with it real quick. It didn't last long. So I prayed. I said, Father, I know I can see your purposes. Confirm to him that I can. Help me find this thing. I bargained with God. (laughs) And before you know it, I had looked everywhere. I figured, you know what? Let me look behind the toilet. I had looked there before. On both sides of the toilet, you know that little gap between the toilet and the wall about an inch or so? Right there at the back circle on the silicone seal was this little tiny piece of plastic lens. So I thought, okay, great. Now what? I have it. The glasses are broken. Now what? And then I remembered that I pack crazy glue in my computer bag Because sometimes when I travel, a cable smashes or something, and I need to hold it together to continue doing what I'm doing. So I pulled the crazy glue and put it together, and now I can take it off sideways, put it off sideways, and it works. My point is, we all go through those times that challenge us whether we know we're walking with God or not. Each of us. But there's a secret in the Bible that God has given us that allows us to be able to contend with these situations more fully. In the life of Jesus, Bill Johnson says Jesus is perfect theology. So if you want, theology is the study of God, the knowledge of God. And he says that Jesus is the perfect expression of that. And he's right. 
Jesus represents the fullness of the Father. The fullness of God the Father is expressed in the person of Jesus. So whatever Jesus did is our model. Whatever he said is our model. Whatever he didn't do is our model. Whatever he didn't say is our model. How he did it is our model. So one of the areas that is key for us to understand, everything that Jesus did in ministry and in fulfilling the purposes of God is a historic event that took place that is key in our lives. Jesus was born in the manger, you know, we had celebrated Christmas just a few weeks ago. And then we see that he grows up. He had gone to the temple when he was 12 with his parents. He stayed behind because he was just full of questions and dialogue with the elders and the priests that were in the temple. But there is no sight, there's nothing in the scripture that tells us what happened between the age of 12 and 30. And that's intentional because he just lived a regular everyday life. He studied as a boy would in Israel with the rabbis. He learned the scriptures like every other Jewish boy. He went to work with his dad. He helped around the house. He ate his food. He slept his nights. He had his dreams. He had his conversations with Mary and with Joseph and with his other brothers, James and, and the other. He went through life as a regular young Jewish man. But something happened that set him up for the rest of his life. Something he went through shifted everything. He did this before he had the first miracle that he had done. He did this before he performed the first resurrection. He did this before he, first, he, he had performed his first, first healing. He did this to set him up and to bring him into the place of alignment with what was to come next. In 2003, I met for the first time this couple called Rob and Mary Lee. I met them at a context of an event that was being planned that I didn't have any clue about with regards to what the leadership of the church in the city here in Toronto, known as Mission GTA, was planning in response to the Dalai Lama's visit in Toronto. I didn't know anything about the Dalai Lama. I didn't care to know anything about the Dalai Lama at that time. I didn't know much about spiritual warfare at that level. But the people I was hanging with for maybe about a year and a half or so at Mission GTA were planning this thing, and I volunteered to help with communication. I bring this up because in January, the Lord reminded me of that and reminded me of that was my personal gateway into ministry that was broader than my local context. So when we were in prayer at Evangel Temple for the gun violence in the city, the leader had asked us to ask the Lord to show, him, uh, to show us what he wants of us. And as, as soon as we entered that and I asked the question, the Lord reminded me, he said, how did you get involved citywide? I said, I volunteered to help with the, the communications at the house of the king. He says, that's what I want you to continue to do. So I'm volunteering in communication in different areas of the church. And I didn't clue in that that's what I was doing with my role with SAT7. Some of you don't know my involvement with SAT7. I chair the board for SAT7 Canada, which is a broadcaster from Cyprus. 
that broadcasts Christian programming all across the Arab world, Iran and, and the Farsi-speaking world, and the Turkish-speaking world. My role is a, just a board member and, a, and, and, a, and the chair of the board. I don't actually do anything other than give leadership and direction. But that's what I'm doing, and this is communications. I'm supposed to be in March in Turkey for the annual meeting for that. I'll be sharing more about that later. What I'm doing with Watchmen is I'm a, I'm a link. When I'm traveling with David and when I was in Vancouver, my, my role is really to facilitate the communication within the body of Christ. So we had this global webinar, and I'm not a communications expert, but the Lord gives me grace to be able to facilitate certain things. I wasn't an IT guru at the house of the king, but when we connected and all of a sudden when I was in the soaking room during the house of the king, which was 12 days of worship, Mary was leading the soaking room and she was leading the intercession with April Stevenson. And as I sat through a time of emptiness, I didn't have anything to do. I went to the, the soaking room and I had this vision that activated me in the prophetic like I had never been activated before. And I realized that my role in communications, so, okay, what do I do? Mary, what do you guys need to get done? I don't know. Can you do some research? Okay, what do you need to research? Well, what about this? Can you tell us what's happening there in this area of the city? So, boom, 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 boom. I get online. I Google something. This is 2004, guys. 16 years ago, Google wasn't what it is today. That's 16 years ago, 2004, right? So I would, by God's grace, know what link to click that would direct me to the exact answer that we were looking for in the spirit for what the intercession team was needing to do. God speaks. I had to listen. My role is in communications. But Jesus, when he started his ministry, he had to come into the place of alignment and empowerment to be able to fulfill his mission. Even though he was the son of God, he was also a man with the spirit of God dwelling in him. So he was just as human as you and me. Yes, he was God. But at the same time, he emptied himself of his deity. Now, this is important. He didn't live life on earth as God. God doesn't die on a cross. God doesn't bleed. God doesn't get resurrected. God is eternal. What he died on the cross was in his humanity. In his body. In his physicalness. What he did in his miracles was not as God, because that would be unfair to Satan. He did it in his humanity. And he said that greater things than these you shall also do when I go back to the Father and he sends you the promised spirit. So everything that Jesus did is fair game to expect you and me to be able to do. But there's a preparation. There's a transition. There's something he had gone through that prepared him for the next phase. Let's look at what happened. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Was that part of it? Absolutely. He lived 30 years on earth. Baptism was a sign of repentance because John was going around saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So every person in Israel that heard this message was moved in their hearts, came to John, went into the river... And it wasn't just waist deep. 
They went into the river. Remember what uh, Sujin just shared? They went into the river with John, and they went under the water and came out. Many of you have done that. We've witnessed it here. Last time, we had seven people get baptized. The time before that, we had another five. How many here have not been baptized? The time is coming where you need to follow Jesus in this very thing because it's a key to your preparation and activation. So if you've been baptized, you've got one tick mark. He was baptized. And as he was praying, who was praying? Jesus. Heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son with whom, uh, whom I love, and, and with you I am well pleased. Bracket. Silva and I have never told our kids that we are proud of them. Are we not proud of them? I searched the scripture many years ago, and I discovered that never in the scripture does God the Father talk to God the Son to Jesus and say to Jesus, I'm proud of you, son. What I've heard him say is I'm pleased with you. So in our vocabulary, in our family, when we're proud of our kids, they know I'm pleased with you means I'm proud of you. Why? Because in the English language, there's no difference in that kind of pride. It's the same word. To be proud of someone or to be proud of something or to be proud... All of that has a negative connotation. In other languages, Arabic, for example, there's two words for that kind of pride. One of them is fakhur, right? Which is fakhr. Fakhr means pleasure with someone and pleasure and satisfaction with someone or something. It is not pride. It is a sense of deep pleasure that provides you not with pride but with satisfaction in that sense. So it's a lot easier to speak those words in other languages. So we've made our own vocabulary. So the kids know when we say to them, hey, listen, we're really pleased with, with, with you and what you're doing. They know it means we're proud of you in English language. Same with Armenian. Armenian has different words for that. Different story. So with you, I'm well pleased. Jesus, full of the Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness For 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. Other scripture translations and other passages, specifically Matthew 4, says that he was taken by the Spirit to be tested or tempted by the devil. So here's what I'm proposing to you. Before Jesus was able to do anything, before there was a Jesus movement, before there was a Jesus ministry, before there was a Jesus miracle, before anything of the Father's heart was expressed to humanity through his Son, Jesus went through a baptism, a fast, a testing, and a coming out in victory. You can't short-circuit that. You can't skip one of those and expect to get the same kind of result. It's a model it's a process, and it requires us to go through something. When we came to the house of the king, before we did anything else, we were taught by some of the people that had come to us from Graz and from Vancouver and from other places 
that we need to fast. And they told us that you need to do a serious fast. So we started off by having a one-day fast. And then we did a three-day fast. And then we went deeper into the water. We did a 21-day fast. And then at the end of it, just before the event in 2004, it was supposed to happen in May, for Lent, around the same time that the whole world was fasting across the globe, Catholics, Orthodox, Protestants, everyone is fasting, we joined them. We could have called it, Richard Long says, we could have called it the Jesus fast, but we called it the Lenten fast, Lenten fast the fast for Lent, and we went into a 40-day fast. It was the first 40-day fast experience that I had. I don't know about you, Mary, but it was my first 40 days, and it was our families, and the whole family went through it. My kids, Silva, uh, our kids, all of us, all four of us went through this. We couldn't do it without the prayers of the church to back us up. But we went through this 40-day fast, and I believe my trajectory in my life personally shifted because of the obedience to submit myself to that 40-day fast. So there's a call now out. Lou Engel has released a call. Many others have released a call to call the church to fasting and to prayer coming into this Lent season. What is Lent? Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter. And it's that time where churches, people across the globe go into a time of reflection, of prayer, and of fasting. What does fast look like? Fasting is actually slowing down. It's easy to remember that way. A fast is slow down. Slow down on the food. Slow down on the activity. Slow down on all of what you do to be able to spend time in the wilderness with God in prayer. You will get tempted. It's part of the course. But you will have the Spirit of God working in you because He's the one leading you into this. You know, and that people have used that sometimes to say, oh, I don't feel called by the Spirit to fast. Well, the Spirit has released a, a call across the globe. So whether you feel it or not, the call is there. So on the call on Thursday with this global gathering online, Lou actually shared about this. He shared what God has been speaking to him. Lou Engel, some of you may know him. He's coming out of California. He was closely walking with Cheon for years. And uh, he's part of the history and the, the heritage of some of you here from Acts. So I've gotten to know him on a personal level, having met him a couple of times through some of the things that we've been doing with the Armenians. And now I've been interfacing with him quite a bit in the last couple of three weeks. And uh, our hearts are being knit together. Fatin and Rob walk very closely with him. And a number of years ago, he laid hands on Rob to impart to him the grace to fast 40 days. And Rob has been doing 40-day water and, and vitamin fasts like crazy. And they're stepping into areas that are activating them more and more, Fatin and Rob, into areas that are activating them for what God is doing next. So as one of your pastors, I've resolved, and I think Silva's joining me, if, if I'm not mistaken, we, we still haven't figured out how we're going to fast. But the last time I did a 40-day fast, the Lord spoke to me over and over again with the words, trust me. I started the fast like a liquid fast. So I was doing juices and some broths to get something hot. 
I abstained from coffee because I didn't want the mind-altering effects of it. And there are positive mind-altering effects. It's great to drink coffee. But anyway, I didn't want that. No, Lara's shaking her head. No, you can get the same high with other things. <laughs> anyway, my point isn't caffeine or not. That's not the issue. My point is to abstain from things and to spend that time in the presence of God, whether alone or with your family members or however you want, but stay away from some things. And, and you and God figure that one out. My plan is to stay on juices and liquids. I started that way last 40-day uh, fast, and on day 19, I felt the Lord say to me, trust me. I said, so what, Lord? What does that mean? And people around me were telling me, hey, listen, you're losing too much weight. You know, muscle mass. And, and at the time, it was affecting my hip because the hip was being held together by the muscle. So I was losing muscle in my legs, muscle in my back. And I was adding protein to my shakes or, or my juices and so forth, like powder, whey, protein, whatever. But uh, I was losing a lot of weight, a lot of weight, a weight, weight. And people would tell me, you know, to supplement with a little bit of meat or some meal or something. Just do it easily. And I heard the Lord tell me on day 19, trust me. And at the time, I was having some conversations with Ara, and he was pushing me to not protect him from ministry by overburdening him with a lot. Do you know what that means? He was under a lot of work pressures, and there's a lot of activity in the church. And at the time, we weren't all three churches together. It was just me and Ara pastoring. And uh, I was protecting him from giving him more to do. So he says to me, dude, stop. Give me what is to be done. Take care of what you need to do outside. Let me take care of what's inside the church. If I die, I die. And those words didn't come lightly to me. They went deep into my spirit. And they landed there. And I started to now remember them as the Lord would say, trust me. So on day 20, I made the decision that from tomorrow, I'm going to continue with just water. So I went 19 days solid without anything other than just water. I couldn't believe I could do that. But I felt stronger. I felt more prepared. I felt readier to impact things in the kingdom. And after that came the conversation with Acts. My first 40 day was the activation and things in the city. After that last 40 day fast, we were act- I was activated to be prepared for what God is going to do amongst us at three churches. I don't know what this 40 day preparation is going to mean in terms of what shifts I'm going to be experiencing, but I don't want to do it alone. So I want to invite you to step into this thing with me. That we step into 40 days starting today until April 9th. To fast and to see God for what he wants to do among us. I don't say don't eat at all. I don't say, I don't tell you what to do. You could fast chocolate. You can fast social media. You can fast whatever it is. But something that will cause you to shift your attention from everyday things to focus on the presence of God and hearing his voice. I have been challenged and stirred in my spirit. Because I know the impact that this is having and the way that is being spread across the globe amongst the body of Christ in every denomination, in every nation, that there's an alignment that's coming right now that as we step into it, watch out what the Lord will do. I'm expecting to see amazing things. After the 40 days, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit 
and news spread about him through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. I'm not looking for that because the same people that praised him turned around and wanted to kill him a few days later. I'm not looking for the praise. I'm just looking to come into the power of what the Lord has in store for us. Because we're at that point of intersection, at the precipice. And there's a shift that has to happen for us to go deeper into the water and to see the purposes of God through City River like we've never seen before. But there, you know, there's no abstract City River. It's not a, a thing. City River is not a thing that develops and, and does things. City River is you and me. City River is each one of us. And as we transition into that place of alignment with him so that we can experience the power of his spirit, we will experience the fullness of everything that he has. I want to show you a quote by one of the, the old bishops of Caesarea. This is Bishop Basil in the 300s. He said these words, Fasting begets prophets and strengthens strong men. I praise God that we are not deaf in our spiritual hearing. We have many across the room here that hear the voice of God. I expect all of us to hear the voice of God. It's necessary, critical for our individual walk. But I'm happy and delighted that many of you have been trained up to recognize the voice of God and to speak it out among us. That's the prophets. But we also need the strong men. We need the strong men and women that will take what the word of God says in their heart and step into the areas of, of challenge to be able to see the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead raised, and the signs and wonders that he has held in, in, in his heart for the people around us. I believe we can walk into a hospital ward where there is people that are infected and just our very presence, our shadow, our, our, you know, the wake of our walk will cause the wind in that room to shift and the presence of the Spirit of God in us and through us will bring healing to the people in that room. I believe that's what the church is called to do. I believe that this is what we're coming to in this generation and we will see it only if we obey God and walk in the path that Jesus has modeled for us to walk in though. You can't expect it. If there's filth in our lives, we can't expect it if there isn't the, the dedication and the obedience to the ba basic things that the Lord is causing us to, uh, to believe for. You know, a few seconds ago, Rob was here, minutes ago, Rob was here asking us, uh, it's time for tithes or offering. No reaction. I don't think it's the reaction that he's looking for. But I think it's the alignment in our hearts that this is actually a joyous thing. Because the Bible says, God loves a cheerful giver. So if we're not able to be cheerful when the time comes for us to give, it means that we still have some connection to what's in our wallets and we are not free to give it because it still has a bond on us. So these are the measures. How aligned are we with the purpose of God? How aligned are we with His will? Fasting makes lawgivers wise. In our nation, I shared with you a lot of, about the history of our nation in the last few months in the U.S., and how the lawmakers and the lawgivers were wise in what they set as foundation for these two nations. Today, it's a different story. It is the soul's safeguard. It is what protects our soul like a barrier from the attacks of the enemy. It is in that place of fasting that Jesus was able to withstand the temptations three times of the enemy and to put him and to shut him down because he was coming at him with the word of God. The enemy was coming to Jesus with the word of God. And Jesus had to know the word of God well, but in his fast, he was safeguarded to be able to respond to it well.
the body's trusted comrade. Fasting is the body's comrade? I'm not eating. How is that my, my body's friend? It is what causes our bodies to be aligned so that the body doesn't become the boss. We have three parts to our being. Our spirit, who's in touch with God. Our soul, who's in touch with ourselves. Body, who's in touch with the world. When the body takes over because of the pleasures of the body that we want to feed the body, that formula flips and the body becomes the controller. But when the Lord is in charge from our spirit, we flow out. The body's trusted comrade because we are bringing the fastest, bringing the body back into submission. The armor of the champion, the trainer of the athlete. So I invite you. If you have any questions, come and see me after. If you don't, good for you. If, if you I, I'm excited about what God has in store. If you fasted already before, go for it. If you have blood or, or, or medical conditions, not blood, but medical conditions that restrict you from fasting because you need to take pills or you need to take uh, a certain diet to keep afloat, that's wonderful. Do that. Don't change that. But seek the Lord for what he wants you to align so that you can fast from some things. It could be watching a television program. It could be watching Netflix. It could be you know, spending an hour on Facebook. It could be you know, whatever game you're playing on your phone. But fasting from that. To give that time to spend with the Lord in his word so that you are strengthened, watch what will happen after April 9th. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are faithful. We want to thank you that you have given us all things for life and for goodness. So we thank you for the model that Jesus is for us. And we ask you, Lord, that as we join individually and corporally, as we join this world your body across this globe, as we join in and bring our portion of participation in this preparation of the Jesus fast. Lord, we want to see an outbreak of a Jesus movement like has, ne- like has never been seen before. That which took place in the 60s and the 70s with the Jesus movement followed many fasts that leaders took. So we want to step into that today. As disorganized as this is, it is organized by your spirit. Your spirit who's alive in each one of us who tugs at our heart, who invites us in, who leads us into the wilderness as he led Jesus, who protects us, who guides us, who strengthens us, who prepares us for the breakthrough that we will see as we continue. Father, we have high expectations. Not high expectations of output, but high expectations of transformation within our hearts. We give you our hearts during this fast. We give you our being, and we say, Lord, magnify yourself. Take us deeper. Teach us to swim in the depths that you have in store for us. We need you, and we bless you. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. We're going to break for an hour and come back here at 2 o'clock, so don't leave. Uh, I think the hospitality people have prepared something nice for us to be able to enjoy, a snack that will carry us over. And uh, we bless it. May it be strength to our bodies. God bless you.